With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. We'll be talking to uh, the wonderful Gemma Cooper imminently. Also, a little bit later this hour, we'll open the lines and you can call in, have a chat. I haven't done that for a while and I miss you a lot. I want to talk to the listeners. I want to find out what you have to say, what irks you, what is on your mind. We'll be doing that in about uh, about 15 minutes time if you want. And that number for that a little bit later is, uh, if you're calling from Australia, one 800 670 310. If in the UK, you can call on 033 00241026. We would love for you to do that. Yeah, plenty of money. It's all going around, but these are new monovalent and bivalent booster shots or vaccines. And I have to admit, these are actually, if you have a, a cut down, watered down version of a virus, a weakened form of an actual virus, assuming that virus ever existed. Uh, but if you do have that in a vial and you inject it into somebody, it can cause uh, you to be immune to it. But again, would you trust anything that relates to a injection being put into you after the last three years? And the answer is, I don't care if it is non-mRNA. I don't care if it's monovalent. I don't care if it's bivalent. I wouldn't go anywhere near it, especially for something that is literally, and I'll say it again, I'll keep saying it. If you don't have three or more comorbidities, or if you're not somebody who, and I say it with all due respect, should have kicked the bucket years ago because you are already over the average life expectancy. And I pray that you go 20, 30, 40 years over that. But if you're not in one of those two aforementioned categories, you are at virtually no risk from this at all. Unless, of course, they drag you into the hospital, convince you that you'd be better off on a respirator, or even better still, go and get you on the run, death is near. Oh, sorry, remdesivir, and inject that into you. Many of the people in there were killed. There were lots of uh, uh, payouts, if you will, to the hospital. If you get someone to stay in there and they have COVID confirmed, there's a ka-ching if you can get them on the respirator. Ka-ching. And, of course, if you can get the remdesivir and other products into them that had a very low survival rate. In fact, uh, I would suggest that you could call them more of a poison, and they would spin that. So let's say, let's say, uh, let's make a drug, let's call it Acme, for example. We won't name a specific drug. Let's say you've got an, a drug called Acme, and that drug is something that they're putting into people, and 60% of the people on that die because they've been poisoned from that. They could be people who are perfectly well, but no, how they spin it, big pharma spin it, and the media spin it is they all would have died, and it saved 40% of them. And how can you tell? How can you prove it either way? Well, the only way you could prove it would be to go get 20 random healthy people, say, hey, could you try this? And who's going to do that? Oh, the whole government around the world did pretty much that, didn't they? Yeah, they care nothing for you. They certainly care nothing for your kids. And the thing that I cannot get over, and it will take me, I'll never get over it, is the simple fact that everybody, literally everybody knew, even those who just watched the main or lame stream media knew that kids were at virtually no threat from this at all. Again, unless you had comorbidities, they were at no threat. And yet I know so many, a significant amount of people. In fact, I think the percentage of people I know who vaccinated their kids, and when I say no, not personal friends, but necessarily, you know, through the school that my son goes to, for example, and uh, other schools, because I do have a lot of friends who are teachers, that number 
to me, in reality, was more horrific than the uh, number of adults who had it. Many adults opting out of having it, some not having it themselves and thinking, oh, but I can't risk my kids and giving it to their kids who were at no risk at all. In fact, there would have been nothing better to do uh, based on the information that was available at the time, let alone what's out there now, saying, send the kids out there, let the kids catch it, and they will have herd immunity. And that's how you start this thing. And those countries who didn't react did very well. Those countries who didn't overreact or who did nothing did extremely well. We have the data to prove it. Uh, 950% was it? 950%, about nine and a half times or more reported in the US military of having a cardiac episode. And the list goes on and on. It's horrific. But here they are now touting. And of course, I'm talking about our mates at the, and I'll hold it up for the camera, the ABC. And of course, they're pushing this hard, the new COVID vaccines targeting Omicron subvariant XBB 1.5. Sounds like a 1975 Holden, doesn't it? Uh, but they're now available in Australia. They reckon that your booster shots are now available. And of course, cases will be rising over the holiday period. What is it with holiday periods and the fact that they choose those to cause the most distress, to scare the most people? And you could set your watch to them doing lockdowns here in Australia. And I'll find out if it was the case in the UK, because I don't know when their school holidays are, but you could set your clock by the fact that here in Australia, that every time there was a school holiday or a major kind of uh, a long weekend, for example, they would increase a lockdown, they'd bring in a new mandate, something along those lines. And you literally could predict it. I remember, and I'll happily say it, I'll say it publicly, and there was a whole bunch of us who did it. And, um, you know, coming up to the school holidays one particular year, I wanted to go to Queensland. Here I was up on the central coast of New South Wales, absolutely no part of Sydney. It's an hour and a half for me to get to Sydney from where I am. And they wanted to call us part of Greater Sydney. Absolutely not. So I moved out of Sydney. So I wasn't part of Sydney. And uh, here they were. We knew they were going to lock us down. We knew they were going to extend that from Sydney and encapsulate us on the central coast. So what did a bunch of us do? Went onto our driver's license apps and uh, rang a mate up north. Guess what? I live with you now. I moved. I moved to Toronto. Yeah, I enjoyed it living in Toronto so we could go up and do things up in Queensland. And it wasn't long because you were up in Queensland doing movie world, Wally World, as I like to call it, you know, doing Sea World, get, getting up there, watching the state of origin. Three days in, what did they do? School holidays up in Queensland, second week up there, I think it was. And they called a lockdown and you had to get out. So there you were in limbo, somewhere between Tweed Heads and let's say um, Newcastle. And you had to sort of wander around there. It's amazing how many people I know in the entertainment industry who refused to turn home, uh, return home during that period and just sort of wandered around. So, <laughs> and I don't blame them. We, ha we had a ball and we stayed out of lockdownville. Now, for a complete list of shows and our schedule offered here on TNT Radio, simply visit the website at tntradio.live. We serve up all the latest news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators and who can fact who can separate fact from fiction, truth from propaganda. We're right here at TNT Radio. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma Cooper is always very well prepared and organised and I hijack her each and every day and I ask her to come and talk about something I do. I want to chat about before she goes um, and talks about what she does. And I have to ask Gemma Cooper because you are my link 
to the UK, somewhere that I should have visited because my dad is from the UK, never have, but I promise I will at some point. I don't know if that's a promise or a threat, depending on on who the, who the person is. But uh, the school holidays, what typically do you have for here in Australia? We have uh, three two-week breaks and one about six-week break at Christmas. When are the school holidays in the UK? Say a six-week break at Christmas. Yeah, pretty much, about five and a half, six, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. Like wow, my, if you're an Australian kid, that's inc- that's brilliant. Well, Six my, weeks on the beach. My son's last day at school is tomorrow, and he won't go back until either the very end of January or the beginning of February. So, and that's typical. Then three full two week breaks, um, equally apart. You know, at the other end of the year. Wow. No, there's nothing like that here in the UK. I mean, I don't have children, so I'm not really au fait with the education system now, but it's something like two weeks at Christmas, two weeks at Easter, six weeks in the summer, and then a series of uh, half-term breaks dotted in between. Um, That's how I remember it from my school days, which, Dean, I can assure you, a very, very long (laughs) time ago. But uh, nothing like six weeks. I mean, that makes Australia sound an even better place to live. Six weeks off. Awesome. Well, I mean, don't forget that it is, is really summer good. here, you know, that's during our summer. But um, so did they do that? Were the um, lockdowns and the, you know, as they bring in a new mandate, let's say masks again, for example, were they in lockstep with the school holidays over there? Absolutely. I remember just hearing you talk there. I cast my mind back to Christmas 2021, where they, 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 those in control of us, so-called, uh, did this classic thing of saying, you can have Christmas. Oh, no, you can't have Christmas. You can yeah. have Christmas. You can have a bit of Christmas. You can have five days of Christmas, but only if you mix with your cohort. No, no, it's okay. You can have Christmas. And then right at the last minute, they took away Christmas, you know, yeah. and it was just really, really, really horrible time and nobody knew what was going on. I mean, obviously, people like us knew what was going on and just did our own thing. But if you were a regular family, still believing in the lamestream you were you didn't know if could you go and see your mum could you go and see your grandma could you go and see your aunts and uncles just that horrible state of anxiety not least for the for the children as well you know mummy mummy can we go and see uncle fred no we can't yes we can no we can't it's a horrible state gaslighting is a really really pernicious way uh, of of controlling people because it's, it's insidious and you can't you can't really see it but you know something's off and that's what they did christmas 2021 and i don't think they'll ever get away with it again Yeah, well, you bring me to my next point. I would love to see them try. I really would. I've spoken to three people today as part of, you know, I have my own business and I've had three people today and I bring these topics up with people who, you know, I don't even know just to get a feel for what's happening out on the street. All different people, people who say I'd never get a vaccine, people who say I put my arm out and I think it was the right thing to do and people who say I put my arm out, I absolutely didn't want to, but I had to keep my job. And I spoke to three people and they all said today, All three of them had put their arm out for varying reasons, but all three said, I would never do it again, no matter what. I wouldn't stay inside if they told me to, and I wouldn't wear a mask. Well, two out of three said they wouldn't wear a mask if they were told to again. So I hope that that is a good, I know it's not a large cross-section, but I hope it's a representative cross-section of what would happen if they were to try this again. I think we learned a lot. I think we absolutely have. And and that is a very good example, you know, just talking to people that we know anecdotally and families and friends, would you do it again? I think some people can't believe they did it at all. Um, and they're quite embarrassed actually looking back at the craziness of it all. Um, and I think there has been a sea change. But I mean, if ever I heard you mention there, you know, that, that, that the people in charge absolutely do not care about us. And there's a story that's broken here in the UK and more details are due to be announced later on. But this is indicative of really how those in charge do not care about us. Over the weekend, uh, there were reports out here in the UK that the lockdowns 
had an absolutely catastrophic effect on the fabric of UK society. Uh, the Central for Social Justice said that the, the gap between rich and poor now is similar to the Victorian times, you know, Charles Dickens's era, where he was writing pamphlets, political pamphlets about the plight of the poor. Um, so these reports said that there is now a depressed and poverty-stricken underclass here in the UK. Now, you'd think that our politicians would look at that and think, oh my God, we've got to sort this out. We can't have this. This is 2023 and this is Britain. But no, this morning, the Ministry of Defence has decided to announce it's going to spend taxpayers' money on transferring two of its Minehunter ships to Ukraine to further the UK's continued support for that country and its military efforts wow. and to strengthen its sea abilities. Exactly. There's a just of detail to bring into this story. Um, it says it's going to be launching this coalition with Norway to garner long-term support for Ukraine in the Black Sea. Uh, the Defence Secretary Grant Shapps is uh, going to outline this plan in detail in a few hours' time here in the UK, along with his Norwegian counterpart. And he will also announce further details about the UK's ongoing military support for Ukraine. Now, this is going to cost millions of taxpayers' money at a time when the divide between rich and poor has never been greater since Victorian times, really, you know. Uh, yeah. And I've got a direct quote here from Grant Shapps. He says that uh, this, this move marks the beginning of a new dedicated effort by the UK, Norway and all our allies, so we're talking globalist agenda here, to strengthen Ukraine's maritime capabilities, enhancing its ability to operate in defending their sovereign waters and bolstering security in the Black Sea. Uh, our proud maritime history means the UK and the Royal Navy are well placed to support this endeavour, which will form part of a series of new coalitions between our allies to ensure enduring military commitment in support of Ukraine. I mean, they didn't ask us if we wanted yeah. the money to go there. Um, similar to the Biden administration, he's under fire now for uh, bypassing Congress and sending tank shells to Israel at a time when, you know, the rest of the world is now saying we should maybe pull back on this. It shows our elected leaders have complete disregard for what our, what the state of the country is and also the, the kind of uh, mood, really, of the people, which, as you illustrate, is definitely changing. Um, Biden's kind of policy of continued support for Israel, uh, they're saying now is going to affect his chances at the next election with progressive um, democratic voters. But they don't care. They will yeah. keep doing this and spending our money in any way they see fit. Where the people on the ground, like here in the UK, the gap between the rich and the poor is back to Victorian levels where people were living in slums. And yet our money is going to Ukraine today. Yeah, that's no, really interesting. And again, it's the one topic that will divide conservatives right down the middle, hence why I don't really show my hand as to which side I, I favour in that particular con con um, conflict. But, I mean, it's just horrific that Biden, most of his supporters, would be uh, absolutely supportive of Gaza. He doesn't know his own crowd. He's going to lose them at the next election. Those who uh, who would still be silly enough to vote for him under any circumstance, I can't imagine, but they really don't know their own voter base. It's going to be a whitewash, one would imagine, if it's not rigged at the next American election. But I very much look forward to seeing what happens over there. It's going to be very interesting, that's for sure. Absolutely, and it does show that, um, yeah, he's out of step with his uh, progressive Democrats who, you know, most of whom, as you rightly say, oppose his policies. Um, he's under scrutiny now for saying, you know, I'm going to bypass Congress and do what I want with taxpayers' money, similar to Grant Shapps announcing later. He's going to stand up in the UK later with Norway and with all these allies and say, we're just going to give hundreds of millions to Ukraine, okay? Sorry that the country's in uh, destitution. We've got nearly 2 million children living in abject poverty, but, you know, don't, let's not worry about that. We'll just send your money to a foreign country for a proxy war that nobody wanted 
granted, nobody asked for, um, but that's that's the way we roll here. And uh, yeah, it's it's extremely interesting the the, the kind of uh, continued disregard for us. But what's interesting, I think, as well is the more and more people are now saying, no, I, next time, if this happens again, I'll stand up to the system. I, we see what you're doing. And I think that sea change that you illustrated there by canvassing opinion from, from friends and a cross-section of society, I hope is sweeping the globe. And I hope we will see more and more people not just standing up to the last three years or the last three and a half years if new vaccine mandates are introduced, but also standing up to these global policies, which we are paying for. Yeah, and, and our grandkids, and I have to keep saying it because they're the ones that, that I'm worried about. I'm really worried about the kids, those who come after us, because it is our our job to, whether we have children or not, to leave the planet in a better state than that which we find it. And if there really was a climate problem, we'd be the first. You and I would be the first to step up and try and address it. But if there is a problem that doesn't exist, we'll happily move past that, not be distracted by it, focus on actual problems that exist. And just very quickly, when it comes to matters of the Ukraine, even those who support the Ukraine over Russia, over in the UK, here in Australia, would realise we have a very limited arsenal, certainly more limited by the day. We're in immense foreign debt and we certainly don't have a dog in that fight. And I really don't think we we should be involved at all. And um, it's only that Vladimir Putin um, is, I mean, uh, how do I put this without giving... Now, yeah, there's, I'll just rephrase that. Vladimir Putin has been very careful in his... Uh, fighting in that he's harmed very few children, very few civilians, because if he was prepared to do as other countries have done and just bomb willy-nilly, um, that war would have been over six months ago or a year ago. So it's only that Vladimir Putin is so restrained. And so he knows that the Ukraine is going to come into the fold of Russia again at some point. He doesn't want a bunch of people who hate him. And I think he's, he's doing rather well. But I certainly, and I would suggest many people over in the UK, don't want our money, our grandkids' money, going to fight that proxy war. And I'm done with it. I'm absolutely fed up. And I don't know who these politicians are that think that they can spend our money to fight their wars or wars for their mates to protect their mates' assets. And that's really what this is all about. There's a long list of companies that are Western companies over in the Ukraine. And if you have a look at who owns them, it, uh, it's very telling. Absolutely. And what's interesting there is the sea change in the mood, because uh, at the start of this so-called conflict, uh, there were blue and yellow flags everywhere in the UK, you know, show support for Ukraine, show support from Ukraine. They were absolutely just, it was like the rainbow, you know, during the rainbow <laughs> NHS. Um, yeah. And then suddenly, you're not seeing so many Ukrainian flags up anywhere anymore. Yeah, this is not, the support seems to be dwindling. They're very visual signals, aren't they, flags, of where the public mood is. I drive around now in my local area, and I, I see very, very few blue and yellow hanging out of people's windows. I see very few blue and, blue and yellows hoisted up in places, in public places either. So, yeah, the mood is changing. Yeah, and it's horrific. And just quickly, you know, they're dragging, they're literally dragging fathers and sons off the street. A lot of the immigrants are people who didn't want to fight Russia. If you don't want to fight anybody, you shouldn't have to. Simple as that. If, you, if your heart's not in it, you shouldn't have to fight a war. And the simple fact is we have sent so many young Ukrainians and Russians to their death. And all I see is a bunch of dead young people. And again, to me, that's horrific. Why? Because they're fighting over a bunch of rich men's assets. And that's what pretty much most of these wars throughout history have been about, about money and certainly not our money. But uh, we know, we learn, or do we learn? I don't know, Gemma Cooper, but thank you for coming on the program today. Look forward to doing it all again tomorrow. Thank you, Dean. See you tomorrow.
Everybody pick up the phone and dial. We'd love you to call in. We'll do a little bit of talk back before we talk to Professor Robin Cosford after the news at half past. So pick up the phone and dial. That number from Australia is 1-800-670-310. I want to talk to you. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. (laughs) The world is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. It sounds pretty good. It sounds real, dude. not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, And welcome back to the program. I love it when we open the lines, and I haven't done it for a little while, so I'm looking forward to having a bit of a break in the traffic to chat with some people, and one of them is a terrific fellow. But before I do that, I just want to quickly, and Siv, who is on hold, would very much know of the person I'm speaking about. I did, uh, again, uh, commercial radio for, you know, coming up on 12 or 14 years, whatever it was, and uh, had a terrific bunch of callers. One of them who would call me every program and listen religiously to this program once I started was a guy that we nicknamed Constitution John. John up in Coffs Harbour, an absolute legend of a fellow, and would always ring in and hold us to account, hold the public to account and say, we don't need to cop this. This is in the Constitution. That is in the Constitution. He would implore people to buy a copy of it or get access, go to the library and read the Constitution. Sadly, he passed away. His daughter, Donna, who has been on this program uh, as a guest in the past, a, a former One Nation candidate as well, and I would suggest probably again into the future, um, let me know. A very sad day that was to hear of the passing of Constitution John, as I shall affectionately know him forever. And, uh, mate, uh, Godspeed. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you a whole bunch. We're going to go to the lines. Uh, Siv from Sydney. How are you, my friend? Well, not bad. And, uh, condolences, uh, condolences to his family. That's, that's very sad. I, I didn't, didn't, I, is that the same one who, who would ring and, and not just talk about the Constitution, but would talk about, um, you know, the different, the different things we've done in the, in the Second World War. No, no, no. I, I need to point that out. A few people, because 
John McRae, who's a, a terrific oh, friend one. of mine and Malcolm Roberts as well. Um, he's yeah. John from Foster and he's fine. He's doing oh. very well. It's not him. It, it's well. an, another John from Coffs Harbour and um, used to oh. always solely talk about the Constitution, hence the, Constitution. the nickname. So, okay. But no, ab absolutely not Not John Sorry, McRae. Sorry, John no. McRae. I didn't mean to kill you. Sorry, John McRae. I didn't mean to kill you off. That's, yeah, that's, we, we don't, we, <laughs> we don't have that. That's, no, that's, he's, that's he's doing I, fine. <laughs> So, Siv, Look, what, what's on about, your mind? Well, I, I just want... That's, I was just getting to that. I just wanted to have a quick word about immigration. It's funny listening to Janet Cooper there. I was just reminded of the debate in the UK that's going on with immigration. Apparently, according oh, to the media, Richie... We've got, we got immigration debates happening here. I'll get to that in a second. But over there, um, Richie Sunak, apparently, according to... If, you, if you're taking a notice of the media, he's upset both of, on both ends of his um, Conservative Party, the ERG, which is the European Research Group, and the centrists, which is supposed to be the One Nation group, he's upset them both because this bill that's supposed to send refugees back to, or supposed refugees, uh, back to Rwanda, isn't, uh, you know, isn't the way that it should be. They're going to vote on it, I think, uh, Wednesday morning our time, Tuesday their time. I think that's how it's going to go. And we're going to see how all that goes. But our debate here in Australia, we've got the Labor Party, our Labor Party, crowing today, oh, yes, we're going to reduce migration numbers. We're going to do all this... Yes, I think it's a bit of window dressing and it's come a little too late. I mean, if you really yeah. want to reduce it, take it back to about 30,000 or 20,000. That might be at least semi-manageable, but nobody's going to do that because they're going to be, well, they'll probably be, they'll probably be called racist or they'll probably be called some other risk and they'll be too scared to actually confront that. If you reduce things back to how we can, so that we can manage it, then we might be able to cope. But I don't think anyone's going to do that, are they? No, mate, they're not. And again, I mean, here they are, you know, again, you know, the sleight of hand saying, aren't we wonderful conservatives? And we've stolen this from the conservatives. They would have you believe, or some people are saying they did, simply because they're lowering numbers to the numbers that we've historically, unfortunately, been used to of, in fact, typically 200,000, it's still above that. And the numbers that they're really hitting on the head are the, the students. And where those students go, I don't know, because there's a very finite uh, amount of places for them. I just wonder how many Australian students are missing out. Well, there is that too. But I just think it is quite amazing. that all, Everyone's all breathlessly excited that we're going to have a reduction in, in migration. We're going to have a real reduction. Reduce it to about thirty or 20,000 or have a referendum on the issue. Yes, we love a good referendum. Have a referendum on the issue asking, should we have more immigration or should we stop it for a period of time so we can actually catch up? I think I know what the answer might be. Good to talk to you, Dean. Good on you, Siv. And Siv hit the nail on the head and they had a perfect opportunity to do that, a perfect opportunity to do that. They already spent half a billion dollars at the referendum. That could have been one of the questions. We could have enshrined that into our constitution and that would have limited the numbers big time uh very quickly we're going to get to julie from the blue mountains julie how are you oh hi dean i agree with that um the caller because uh they should close the doors and we should have had a referendum because what they're doing is unconstitutional now i don't know whether you're aware but um the immigration minister andrew giles is uh was bragging last year that they fast-tracked three million visas permanent visas in this country now we don't hear about anything there we haven't heard about that on there and there's no. 187 um, Chinese students this year. And yes, our, student, our children are missing out because this is, I've been at the uni when they've been here and this has been happening for decades. This is nothing new. 
It's been there now. This is the excuse to change the Migration Act, and they're going to fast track all these people. That's what there is to make a two-step process. So it's not about doing. They're saying that, but what they're going to do is fast track it so it takes. They can bring the people in quicker and get them here. And um, they're actually like when we've got a recession, we've got shortage of houses, interest rates are going up, people can't afford to put food on the table. There's 250,000 people in South Australia that can't put food on the table, and um, and this is what the government's doing. It's totally unconstitutional because under Section 5127, page 623 of Quick and Garren, uh, the doors should be closed, and Australians are to be protected because we've got a restricted immigration act. And this is what they're not doing. And they're changing it to suit the new world order, to flood us with um, different nationalities. And Australians are to be protected, our founding fathers said, from the deleterious effects of immigration. It, they don't say they're good. They say it's bad for our economy. And the doors have to be closed. And, and it has to be restricted to preserve our identity. And this is under political science, they said. Identity, our culture, our language, our health the homogeneity of the nation, keeping us everybody to assimilate so we don't have any social, you know, racial wars like they're having in France at the moment and close the doors when that is a threat. Now, that's been happening for decades and the government haven't been, haven't been um, following the constitution and their role is to preserve our existence of our state, our country, the founding fathers said, because... Uh, and. And political leaders that push things for, to self-sacrifice their own nation are called demagogues. And that's what they said. It's very dangerous what they're doing. And this is wisdom from 120 years ago from our founding fathers that were, um, were for us. And it's just wonderful to think that they were for us. And this is why our nation's so good. And this is why we've had these problems. But these socialists now, as well as the Liberal and the Greens, they've been opening the doors and letting all these foreign students in because it's a money-making industry. Yeah. And it's been a racket for decades. And now they're saying, oh, they're doing something about it. But they're not. It's going to be fast-tracking the migration, new, making new laws. But this is what they're doing. They should be restricting it now because we're such a small nation to protect us and protect our jobs, protect our houses, because what this government's doing, they're actually taking away our rights to own a house, to have a high standard of living, because they work out our wealth per capita and each person brings down the wealth of the country. They're already building 200 new schools and they've got a stress on the sewerage system because I know people that work in these industries for the government and it, it's just costing us so much. And how many of these politicians would have 100 people live in their two-bedroom flat with them? That's what it's like. And yeah. it's setting our constitution. They have to educate the newcomers when they come in here and assimilate way our life or otherwise be, uh, go, go back or be forced to do it. And um, our constitution is so good and it's a blueprint of where they've gone wrong and that is the blueprint of how we can fix it up. The doors have to be closed because that is the law and the constitution is the supreme law of the land. And under section 5126, they've got the power to send people here that work segregate them so they don't um, upset our culture and send them home. And Section uh, 5128, the government's got the power to deport them and they are meant to stop the influx of criminals here and they've deliberately let these refugees run around because um, they've signed a treaty with the United Nations called the Refugee Convention and it's Section and, Article 33 and that Julie? is what they cannot send... Yeah, sorry. Oh, I would love to chat at length, but I've already gone about five minutes past the news headlines. So I do have to go. Oh, oh, thank but you. We'll, we'll do this again.
later in the week. Thank you for everything that you share with us. She's always spot on. And if only the politicians had the resolve to do that, which we would have them do. But no, the duopoly continues. We're going to be back on the other side of this. You're listening or watching TNT Radio. Welcome, welcome. Coming up, important news. TNT Radio News. That's the truth. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Israel has been accused of manipulating the media by allegedly staging the mass surrender of Hamas fighters in Gaza. One of Australia's largest retailers, JB Hi-Fi, is being sued, accused of charging customers extra for benefits they already receive for free. At least half a dozen people are dead following a series of powerful tornadoes in Tennessee. And there's been another clash in the South China Sea, with Philippines and China both blaming each other. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for hanging around. And for those who are just listening, okay, if you're driving the car, I get it. If you're sitting at home listening on a radio or some sort of device such as a phone and you haven't checked out the video live stream, why not check it out? And of course, um, if you don't have a smart TV and you want to make it easy, no, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get the, uh, the brown paper bag, which I'm holding up. I'm not going to get one of those with a bunch of cash like some of our politicians get after they encourage you to do something that you didn't want to do. But I would suggest if you can get an Apple TV, a tremendous device, it'll make a not so smart TV very clever, very clever, very intuitive. And there is no remote control on the market that is better to use that makes your TV smarter than an Apple TV. So get one a couple hundred bucks, well spent, plug it in and just talk to it. And you just hit the button and say TNT radio live stream, YouTube or YouTube at the beginning, whatever. And it will take you straight there. It is that easy sitting back in your lounge chair with your feet up and your, your beer, make it a part of your everyday afternoon to so get on here at TNT radio or morning, maybe not so much, maybe a coffee if you're over in the UK. Okay, Professor Robin Cosford is my next guest, uh, Chair of the Board of the Children's Health Defence Australia chapter, uh, was a functional me uh, medical uh, practitioner of over 35 years in 2021, retired her medical licence as a result of COVID the, and the whole situation there. I know many doctors who did that, who did not want to be a part of that, and has since been speaking in interviews, rallies, public forums, conferences, while continuing to provide integral care by empowering people back to take control of their own health and lifestyle and wellness. My immense pleasure to have with us Professor Robin Cosford. Hello. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of people who do as you did. I had a wonderful doctor, his wife also a doctor. They also stepped down from practicing medicine in uh, in late 2020, I think it was, or early 2021. A lot of very reputable doctors did so, a lot of very reputable and intuitive doctors saw what was coming. And um, you obviously, one of them, and uh, you've, you've, you've ramped it up. You're out there spreading the word, spreading the, the knowledge and encouraging people to take control of their, their lives and do all the right things. I, I mean, how much better a job could you be doing? That's right. It's, it, I, I didn't retire. I just stepped sideways. Um, <laughs> the work needs, you know, the truth yep. needs to be told and, and the work needs to be done. We, we are facing a tsunami of ill health, the like of which we have never seen before. 
as we see that, you know, the background accumulation, if you like, of all the, as it were, the diabetes pandemic, which, uh, you know, is a pandemic in itself, added to the effect of what's happened with the lifestyle changes and the injections and, and so on. So we're, you know, we're not in a good state. No, we're, we're certainly, can I just quickly just hijack this conversation? I have to say, um, tell people, and I've said it before, I don't know if people, you know, some might, might be new. I mean, I had diabetes for 12 years. I mean, my blood sugar was off the charts, you know, typically 14, 15, sometimes 22. It was ridiculous. And that led to peripheral neuropathy, started off with like little electric shocks in my feet, spread up my legs, really bad pain, couldn't sleep for over a year. And um, rather than take what they did, and I'm not advocating people stop taking their medication, I'm not doing any of that, I'm just saying what happened for me is um, I basically fasted and for 12 weeks, and that was uh, nine, 10 years ago. I haven't had peripheral neuropathy, you know, I drink all sorts of soft drink, whatever. I mean, my pancreas reset itself. And the only reason I say that, you use words like like healthy lifestyle and wellness. And what I learned was if you do the right thing long enough, your body is rather forgiving sometimes, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and the wisdom, the innate wisdom in our bodies is phenomenal. And if we let our bodies do what they're designed to do by, by living the right way, basically, and eating real food, not artificial processed junk food, getting outside, living, you know, moving. I don't talk about exercise so much as about moving and, and living and you know, enjoying life in, in terms of relationships and connecting with creation and so on, then, then our bodies will change because that's what they're designed to do. They are designed to live in life and health. So it's amazing what can be reversed if, if we, we have to make the choice. And it's not going to happen by us sitting there and not doing anything. We have to make the right choices. But if we make those right choices, yeah, our, our bodies are geared to live, to, to be abundantly of life. Now, Robin, you know, I'm no doctor, but I, I am uh, somebody that possesses a, a fair degree of common sense. And I think it would be fair to say if somebody had a broken nose and every day, instead of waiting six, eight weeks or however long it takes for that broken nose to heal itself after it's set in place, if that broken nose was to continually be punched day after day, oh fair to say it would never heal. And with a lot of these ailments, many of which that, you know, people think they are stuck with for life, would it not be fair to say that if they stopped doing the equivalent of punching themselves in that broken nose, the body, it's very resilient. Could you give some examples of that which you have probably personally um, observed over your career? Oh, look, the stories of the things that, that I've seen, you know, reversed as people change what's going on around are staggering uh, from your children who don't speak, your severely behaviourally disordered autistic children through to um, dementias even, uh, certainly diabetes, autoimmune diseases. Even uh, my, my strongest case was a gentleman who was actually on the heart transplant list and we, we managed to get him totally off that and, and heart wow. normally the bigger story. He had a lot of other issues as well. So it never ceases to amaze me what the body can do if we remove the things that it shouldn't be being exposed to and give it what it should have. And it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. It's just wonderful to hear a doctor or even better still a professor who has, you know, an actual degree, who has been trained up in the traditional way of medicine. 
who also understands every aspect of that. And it's like anything. Um, how can you have an opinion if you haven't heard multiple aspects of a particular topic? And because you are so well versed in all aspects of medicine, of personal health and well-being, I can't imagine, and I mean this sincerely, anybody um, who I've ever spoken to yet who could be as uh, somebody that would be desirable to talk to as you in uh, such a way as to get some advice on your health. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, the principles are simple, really, and, and you've already touched on it. You know, that, that if, we, if we stop punching ourselves and instead start, start simply giving the body what it's designed to have, um, yeah, it works. And, I mean, that's not to say there's not a place for modern medicine. If you've been run over by a truck, you need modern medicine. You need the hospital. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah emergency drugs, right? But but if we're talking the standard things that most people are dealing with, even even ordinary sort of mild acute infections, being, all of these things are things that can be managed with correct lifestyle, with, with good appropriate nutrition, maybe some extra herbs and extra things like this. But most of what anyone needs to deal with, we do not need and, in fact, we do not want to be dealing with the, the pharmaceutical-based modern medical system. It's not good for standard, let's say, lifestyle-related and, and living disorders. It is not good for that. In, indeed, there is not a single drug, and people don't realise this, even paracetamol, there's not a single drug that does not carry side effects. And no drug actually promotes healing. All drugs work by, in some way, blocking something, blocking a receptor, blocking an enzyme. You know, they 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 do they don't enhance healing. And, and Robin, so something that's been my immense privilege to, uh, uh, or people uh, who have been people in their late nineties, and I've I've known at least a dozen of them who used to call me regularly on talkback radio and you know we were there they're linked to the real world they didn't go out very often they were elderly but these people were such lively you know such energetic 90 something year olds predominantly in fact i think every one of them was female if i'm honest um, i think all, all yeah. of them were, were female and, and i would always ask them what is the secret of your longevity and i always got the same answer I told the doctors I didn't want their, their pills. That's what they said, and that they advocated for healthy options. And, and I'm hearing that from you. I've heard that from people who have proven it as they've lived to be 99, 100, 102. In one case, I remember singing happy birthday to this particular woman, and it's a, a, a resounding message, one that we can't help but notice. And I've got a bunch of other things I would love to talk to you about and ask you about after we've got to get to a quick break. Uh, Professor Robin Cosford, could you stick around for a little bit longer? That'd be terrific. Everyone stick around. You're with TNT Radio. We'll be back with Professor Robin Cosford on the other side of this break. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. William F. Buckley, who was a great conservative and a great Catholic philosopher, once said a lot of the problems with the church came from the popes because there were a lot of popes that had one foot in the city of man, one foot in the city of God. There's no greater example than the current pope. It is absolutely astounding that he's saying what he's saying about climate. It's the height of ignorance. Climate is not out of control. 
And as a matter of fact, if it was out of control, there's nothing man can do about it. This whole thing is a scam. And what is fascinating about the situation is he doesn't even seem to look at who he's in bed with with this. A lot of these people are sectarians. They don't have any appeal to a higher authority except for themselves as a higher authority. And they're out to play God. And he's actually putting himself in bed with that. And you want to know something? If you want to be the spiritual leader of 1.2 billion Catholics, you want to get involved in politics, and that's exactly what climate is, politics. You've got one foot in the city of man, one foot in the city of God. Not only does it rip you up, but it's going to rip your followers up. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Indeed, it is. It is my immense privilege to be talking to Professor Robin Cosford, in, who is the chair of the Board of Children's Health Defence, the Australian chapter of that, um, and just a wonderful person. In the brief 15 minutes that I've already got to know Robin, I have learned, and I think it would be fair to say, Robin, when you learned that and heard, had to listen to, um, medical <clears throat> professionals, people who were in the media, um, saying that something was that was brand new, a technology that was unproven was safe and advocating that they take that, that must have sent shivers down your spine. Absolutely. And and, and that's part of why I was straight up one of the, the, the small but re very real number of doctors who were writing ivermectin scripts and mask exemptions and vaccine exemptions because is the reality was, and, and having been in the game for a long enough time, having been in integrative, you know, functional medicine for over 35 years, uh, you know, I, I could smell a rat straight away, yeah. as, as could many. It's like, no, this, the, I, I actually pulled up when, when the, the virus was, was first uh, said to have, to have occurred, I actually pulled up the papers from Wuhan, the published papers, and poured over them. I looked in, in detail at what they'd found and, and what, you know, what those findings were. And I also overlaid a map of the incidence of the first outbreaks of, of the virus with another map. And it was very interesting. There was a close to 100% coherence with these two maps. And so this, what was the second one that I looked at? The second one that I looked at was the, the map of the rollout of 5G. Wow. So like many people yeah. are aware, Wuhan was a test rollout for the 5G, as was Lombardy. New York, it was rolled out early, and, and also Belgium. And what's very interesting is that these are three cases, three places where we also have high levels of environmental air pollution. Lombardy, indeed, was, was said to be one of the most polluted areas in all of Europe. Uh, Wuhan, of course, densely uh, air polluted and, and New York also. So we actually had this combination of these factors 
so that when they switched on 5G, suddenly these people couldn't breathe. They were having trouble breathing in the background anyway. Suddenly they couldn't breathe. So, you know, we, we, we need to have, we need to be a lot more aware of all the background factors when the powers that be come out and say something. Uh, it is very rarely what, what they say up front. Uh, I've been watching the vaccine story for many years. In fact, a lot of my background work was in children with, that's what I was first known for, children with autism and neurodevelopmental disorders and, and chronic fatigue syndrome. And what you, what you see there over the years is that what the media would do would, would be publicise, create stories, create over new information, for example, whereas there'd been no talk about it before. So suddenly, suddenly we hear all about pneumococcal, uh, sorry, meningococcal. And then guess what? Within three months, oh, we now have a wonderful new vaccine to fight this meningococcal. Yes. And this, this is the pattern they do. This is the same cycle. They generate a whole heap of media on a particular disease that in the background they have already prepared the vaccine for. And it's like, oh, look, here's this wonderful new vaccine. So now everybody go take this vaccine to protect you from this scary disease that we've just beat up the fear on. This is their pattern. And Robin, I, I mean, I hate hearing the word new, especially in light of, you know, the data that's come out in the last three years. As per you, I smelt a rat when they tried to hit something on the head that was, you know, uh, historically proven, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, uh, not just a that's great anti-parasitic, but a terrific antiviral. And still, with all we know, they're not pushing it as an antiviral. And it is wonderful, isn't it? Oh, that's right. It's a, it is such a brilliant drug. They, the drugs, by and large, that are the best drugs and the safest drugs are the old drugs. So yeah. they're, they're pretty much all semi-synthetic, as in they're, they're only a, a step or two away from the original products from which they were derived. And, and so they, they don't carry nearly the same rate of side effects as the modern drugs do. They're not nearly so complicated. They're way more simple. But the problem for the pharmaceutical industry was that because ivermectin was such an old drug, it was off patent. And once a drug's off patent, it can be made generically by any number of factories around the world. And indeed it was. It was being made, there was a big factory in Bangladesh. So it was, uh, I think it was Bangladesh, that it was um, being made in, in all these like not top grade factories, didn't need top grade factories, simple factories could do it because they were simple drugs. Yeah. But the pharmaceutical industry can't make money out of that once a drug is off-label, uh, sorry, yes. off-patent. So they have to generate new drugs to generate new patents and they have to become increasingly complex So, and they have to be enough, you know, sufficiently different to the original drug that they can repatent it and on it goes. So, so the good ones, which, as I said, tend to be the older drugs, it's not that they get thrown away because they're not good, but the pharmaceuticals can't make money from them. So they tend yeah. to get relegated to the world. I mean, I, I love your perspective. I mean, something I, you know, rarely talk about, but I mean, I do understand reasonably well being an IT guy for uh, coming up on 37 years. I mean, I started one of the first internet companies in Australia and I have historically been a fan of Wi-Fi up to a point. But when we're talking about this 5G, the, these millimeter waves and the disproportionate push for a technology that apart from making your internet a bit faster, the rollout is, um, 
conspicuously expensive. I mean, they don't go through more than a couple of walls. You need to have the repeaters, if you will, or the, the transmitter receivers uh, very close to individuals. You need a lot of them, yet here they are pushing it upon us. And um, I just don't trust any technology that is brand new. Millimeter waves could potentially be hugely dangerous. And I would have liked to have seen it only rolled out in a few places as a trial for a long time, five, six, seven years, see if we have any adverse health episodes or events, and then establish whether maybe we should roll that out a bit more. But it does potentially pose a big threat. A major, a major threat. And as you very correctly say, you know, from an IT basis, it gives very little, in fact, really no gains over 4G. In, in terms of serviceability for people, but instead requires, um, yes, requires equipment everywhere. And of course, this got rolled out. And again, my, a lot of people may not be aware, but this was part of what was happening during the lockdowns. So during the lockdowns, they suddenly rolled out all these 5G towers. And again, many of them are hidden. A lot of people, again, don't realise this. Uh, Vodafone, for example, was hiding them under manhole covers in the street. Wow. So, so many of these are being hidden so that people weren't, you know, really aware of where they were. But they have to be close. And, and so this, and it really has become very apparent that, that the real purpose of this has nothing whatsoever to do with improving connectivity for the users but instead is all about the Internet of Things, the Internet of Bodies, the Internet of Things. And that's what it's about. And, and the frequencies that are being used are totally different bandwidth, totally different frequencies to the frequencies used for 3G, 4G. Some of these frequencies are very concerning for the scientists because some a particular part of those frequencies will actually... So your different EM... Uh, when you talk and start talking about electromagnetic radiation, light, of course, is, is in the electromagnetic spectrum, so sound. So, so microwave is part of the electromagnetic spectrum at the other end of light. But within that, we've got all these different areas. So 5G is using a totally new frequency set to what has been used by anything before. And all of these different EM frequencies vibrate different parts of molecules, different parts of substances. So part of the concern with 5G, for some scientists at least, is that some of the frequencies have the capacity to vibrate oxygen. And if they vibrate oxygen and the intermolecular bonds in oxygen, then it can theoretically make it harder for oxygen to bind to the hemoglobin molecule and therefore wow. oxygenate. And there are some who think this could be part of... Uh, of the respiratory distress that, that occurs in some cases with some of the 5G. So, so it's all very complicated. It's very complicated. While scientists have been doing some research, there has not been enough clinical-based research. And, and again, powers that be do not want to listen to any of that or believe that. Once again, your doctors and your scientists are divided on 5G and MR just like they are on the injections, just like they are on COVID, just like they are on many other things. You know, we've got a real division occurring. And, yeah. and Robin, of course, when they push it, they're going to tell us those famous words, it's safe and effective despite the fact that it's brand new and we don't have any historical data to go by to prove those claims. And I hate when anything is new. You, if you, the words, if you can utter the word safe, 
in relation to anything that's brand new and unproven, I think, uh, you know, you shouldn't utter another word. Um, I'm glad that you do, Professor Robin Cosford. I think you're terrific. I love your perspective. I love how qualified you are. And I love that you think outside the box. And I think um, that's how you advocate and achieve uh, great health outcomes. I hope we can do this again. Uh, Robin, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Dean. And so have I. And yep, happy to be on when it suits Good on you. Everybody, that is Professor Robin Cosford. She is of the board of the Children's Health Defence, the Australian chapter, and she is absolutely wonderful. Coming up after the break, the wonderful and talented Katie Hopkins. All you have to do, stick around. Don't forget to put the TV on the TNT Radio live stream, YouTube, Rumble. I'll catch you tomorrow.